My talk is going to be from this passage, and the question I'm going to be considering with you is, what does it mean to be born again? Have you ever been asked that? I've given you all uh, some cards and a pen, and I just love it. If, if the Spirit prompts you with an idea or a memory of an experience or your daily life, what it is to be born again, if you want to make a note of it, do. And uh, if you really want to share during my talk, wave to me, and I'd be very welcome. You can come and share. Otherwise, we could share at the end. Um, Rob will organise that. But if you're anything like me, you get an idea, it comes in one ear and then quickly it's gone unless I write it down. Oh, my mother refers to her daughter, this one, as my born-again daughter. And I just wonder, if I was a fly on the wall, what the reaction of um, some of the people that she says that to would be. What, what comes to mind when you think of a, a born-again Christian? I think um, some of us are afraid about what might happen to us when we're born again. I think I thought that I would probably become like somebody else I knew, and even if I admired that person, I find them a bit embarrassing perhaps, sometimes. Or there are other born again Christians in our society that we look at their behaviour and think, oh, that's a bit extreme, and sometimes not pleasant. And I think God really it is actually about becoming a bit extreme. So Paul says um, that he doesn't want us to get drunk with wine. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. He wants us become, to become Godaholics, addicted to the Spirit. So in that way, it is a bit extreme. It's a bit of a takeover, the Spirit of God to come and live in us. But actually, it's meant to be pleasant for people around us. Um, and also I think uh, I've discovered that God is so big that actually he it is becoming about becoming a new creation, a new person, but actually none of us will be the same as each other. We're all going to be rare, beautiful, unique, new creations. So different from what we are, we are, but different from each other. So there's no cloning. And I think overall I read a verse um, yesterday and it was um, what does the Lord require of us but to do justice, love kindness and walk humbly with our God. And there's millions of ways to do that as unique people, as unique born again people. I'm going to talk to you from my heart and mind. I am a witness of Jesus Christ. Like many of you, we are blessed to believe in him, but not we, don't, we haven't seen him yet, but we believe and we're blessed, Jesus says. Um, for those of you on Zoom as well, if you want to share in the chat any reflections, then um, Rob will also gather those up somehow. So what does it mean to be born again? So I'm going to go through the Nicodemus passage with you and um, draw out some things. And to talk about 
Of course, when I was doing this talk, the more, the more I did it, the more I think, oh my word, this is just impossible, because there's so much to say, and you could write a book about it. But let's start. Aha, so verse one. Um, Nicodemus, like a lot of us, probably has a lot to lose by becoming a follower of Jesus. From that perspective, from the outside, it looks like loss before the game. He's religious, and he, the Pharisees were a group of religious leaders. He's had a life and career based on his religion. He's had fantastic education, like Paul probably. Um, he's zealous for God. He's has very high moral standards for himself. Maybe he's come from the right family. He's a ruler, a teacher. Jesus calls him a, a, a teacher of Israel in the next verse. 10. He comes at night, interestingly. He comes in secret. He um, doesn't want to risk a public meeting, perhaps. It, was he afraid? Was he ashamed? But the wonderful thing is, later on, we see him with Joseph uh, of Arimathea um, being involved in the burial of Jesus and bringing um, myrrh and aloe. So something happens to him from this last, the last verse, verse 9, how can this be um, to the time when Jesus is buried? It takes time, I think, to be born again. It's a process. I, 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 I was reminded it took Paul, from his, Paul had that road to Damascus experience that I think probably we all think we need one of those to be born again, and he did have one. Um, but actually he was kind of on the fringes for 12 years before he did his first missionary journey, downloading, getting a download from God and like having his whole education and everything he knew about God regenerated in his mind. Verse two, he affirms the supernatural in Jesus. So he looks at Jesus and he sees he's a teacher from God and he also sees he believes his, the miracles that Jesus does are from God. He, he believes in God and he believes God does miracles. But I think the difference between born again is that you experience the supernatural on the inside as well as seeing it happen on the outside. And the question that I had to myself was, do I experience the Holy Spirit's signs and wonders in me and through my eyes? So Jesus doesn't say to him, ah, well done, Nicodemus. I'm so glad you acknowledge me as a teacher, and I'm so glad you acknowledge that my miracles come from God. He doesn't say that. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. He also says, again, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. And he says, Specifically to Nicodemus, you must be born again. So it kind of infers that Nicodemus is spiritually dead. It infers that Nicodemus is blind. And that he is outside the kingdom of God. So what is this about seeing the kingdom of God and entering the kingdom of God? I ask myself, I put myself on the spot. Do I see the kingdom of God? Have I entered into the kingdom of God? I consider myself born again. 
I came across this verse, and I think knowing is really important. Uh, Paul prays that we um, um, are given the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation of the knowledge of Jesus so that our hearts can be enlightened. We need that spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Jesus so that our hearts can be enlightened, so that we know three things, the hope he's called us to, the glorious riches of his inheritance, and um, the immeasurable greatness of his power. Those three things. Do we know them? And the word for know in the Greek is this um, seeing knowing, this contact knowledge, this knowing through experience. Do I know that? Do we know that? Those three things, hope, the riches of our inheritance, and the greatness of his power. If we know it, it revolutionizes how we live. So I'm hoping you're going to be nodding. It's great because uh, Dave's nodding at me. <laughs> so do nod if anything I'm saying is, is in your life as well. Um, but these are four things I will briefly talk to you, to you about that I've questioning myself, have I seen and have I entered the kingdom of God? So there have been changes in my affections, my desires. He's changed, he's changing me and he has changed my, some of my affections so that I am treasure Christ more than other things in my life. For example, during lockdown, I, it relates to how much time I spend with him as well. I, I felt he was loosening my hold on our business and my desire for a good reputation in our business and my pride in that and my desire to make money. So I felt a loosening of that as if I was a plant and he was like pulling me out of the ground a little and loosening those little bits of that soil off me and instead he gave me a, a, um, uh, an idea that I was a caregiver, that we were caregivers in our community. And that's fueled me now, and that's changed. I think I've changed my, that changes the way I act. Um, that's just one example. So I hope you would agree with me that that is new life, not more religion. Uh, another example is that he has changed my allegiances. So I think I, I regard myself as firmly in his kingdom and my allegiance is to him. He is my king, Jesus. He's my ruler. And actually if I hear anything about Jesus, what he says now, I I take seriously. There's a bit of fear in that as well. You know, when he says there are many in my name who will cast out demons, who prophesy my name, I and, and then he says, Away with you, you lawless ones. I don't know you. I want to make sure he knows me, and I know I need to know him more and make myself known more to him. It's an ongoing thing. So there's a loyalty, there's also an availability. I want to be about his business. Not so much my mind, mine anymore. Um, there's also a sense of being part of his family. It's a more intimate sen sense of God as my father and me being uh, an heir to an inheritance and having brothers and sisters so he's grown my love for you the church and for my um, you know 
the people that I know more deeply who are Christians as well, he's increased my love for them. So fellowship with him and fellowship with other Christians. I hope you will agree that's new life, not more religion. And finally, at an even more intimate level, I think um, he's fueling my desire to um, be in, make sure I'm in the vine at all times. So I had this little elastic band on my wrist. Yesterday I was praying with Rosie and Jess and we all agreed actually we tend to forget about God when we get up and get on with our life after being with him or praying with him. So I've got this little elastic band to help me remember because I want to be more dependent on him. I hope you will agree that this is new life, not more religion. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so, verse three, born again. Um, Someone I was practicing this talk to said to me, is there any other times Jesus says those words? about being born, uses that analogy. And I looked it up and there aren't. This is the only passage he talks about being born again. But there are loads of imageries in the Bible, aren't there, about new life. There's rising from the dead. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Let Christ shine on you. There's being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. There's letting the spirit of wisdom enlighten the eyes of our hearts. There's being washed clean. I think this analogy of being born again, um, for those who've been given birth or witnessed birth, it's quite a different, unique process actually every time it happens. And sometimes it's fast and sometimes it takes a long time. That's what I thought of today. But I think it's a I think Nicodemus, and he's speaking to us today, he's saying, Nicodemus, you're spiritually dead and you need to be made alive by the Spirit. Verses 5 and 6. So do you remember that verse of Paul, which is he wants... Our hearts, that the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, so we know the immeasurable power He has towards us, the immeasurable greatness of His power He has up towards us who believe. Um, another quote is: "For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power." And I'm going to talk about this having the supernatural and having the Spirit of God inside of us. The Word, reading the Bible. If we're born again, it will speak to us. It's living and active, like a sword separating muscle and sinew, I think, or muscle and bone. Um, And I have a little story. So I've been interested in the spiritual gifts and pursuing the spiritual gifts and uh, doing a study about that. And um, the gift of prophecy, I've learned, actually, it's God speak. We all have it, or or potentially we all have the gift of prophecy and uh, at, at my level, when I'm just a baby, it just seems to be that God prompts us with an idea or an image or some words. And I was praying with my two friends, Rosie and Jess, and we get together every week and pray and study together. And she 
Jess was saying how, how stressed she felt because she was having some work done on her house and expecting a lot of work people in the house. And we were pray I was praying for her and I just prayed, I had this idea that there was somebody who actually was a bit bad tempered and a bit grumpy and when he came home he wasn't very kind to his family. And I prayed that, that today that he would have some blessing that would help him. And um, later in the day, and, and when I finished praying, Jess said, who was that? I said, I don't know. Uh, and later in the day, she, there was a man who was delivering their piano and it was really hard to get into a room and lots of kind of tweaking and moving about to get through a doorway and he got really quite stressed. But actually, she thought, you're the man. And she felt that God gave her just extra love and kindness and patience for him. And the piano got into the room. And, and, she, and she, she said, Rachel, I think you were spot on. And that, I was actually insanely pleased about that. <laughs> I'm really excited. And I think that's just a tiny little example of how he works in us through his spirit. And it made me encouraged, really, to listen to him more, seek him more. Water and the Spirit, verse 5. So the, work, the new birth work of the Spirit is compared to water. We think of baptism, don't we, when we think of born of water. And um, the Greek word for baptised is pickled. So if you say somebody's really drunk, you could say in Greek they're baptised in alcohol. And I think that's that immersive quality of the spirit when we're born again, is that we're pickled in his spirit. And, and another friend said, well, if you put your blue jeans in with white clothes and you do a wash, actually the whole colour of the wash has changed. The next story in John, so he, Jesus is meeting Nicodemus, the archetypal religious man. And in the next story, he meets the woman in the well and he uses water, not the imagery of being born again for her. He says to her and to us, and I think this is being born again too, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's sitting by a well and they're discussing um, how to get water out of the well because Jesus has asked her for a drink. And he says to her, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. He also compares in verse 8, the, he compares the spirit with the wind. Can we see the wind? No. No. Can we see its effects? Mm, mm. Can we feel it? Mm. Can we control the wind or cause the wind to blow? No. It blows where it listeth. That's the King James translation. So we can't cause a new birth. That's unsettling, isn't it? A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Are you feeling that God is giving you something from heaven today? Nicodemus ends this passage, none the wiser. He says, how can it be? Again, 
Jesus has told him about the necessity of being born again, and he says, how can it be? And I'm reminded that um, Paul tells us the things of the spirit are foolishness to the natural man. Actually, Nicodemus needs to be brought to life before he can understand it. Amazing what Jesus says next when he says, how can it be? He says a lot, but here, listen to this. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It's all about him. He is the new life. That's what is offered. So in summary, I'll be glad to hear, um, what does it mean to be born again? Here's my attempt, a deep-rooted, life-altering change that takes place on the inside. This change keeps going, changing, growing. It lasts forever. Jesus, uh, this life we are given is Jesus himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, if you are not born again, or you want to be filled more with his spirit, how can you do that? How can we do that? I'm doing a little... um, Bible study on prayer and I've been quite affected by the Lord's Prayer and how we can use that as a framework to pray to God. Um, So you could try this in your prayer time. Basically we have to ask him Um, and I think repentance is also a big part of it. Repentance comes first and then we are filled with the Spirit. There's that transaction of saying I agree with you God about my sins take them away from me, please forgive me. And then he gives us something back, which is the righteousness of Christ, which he gives us life. Um, But the Lord's Prayer is quite a nice framework I'm finding quite helpful. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's worship. So worship him first. Begin with worship. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's allegiance. I swear my allegiance. It's reminding me when I was a child, I was in America, and we swore our allegiance to the flag practically every day in school, but I'm swearing my allegiance to Jesus. Amen. Ask. That's our time to ask. Give us our daily bread. Ask him for the Spirit. Repent. Forgive us our sins. Make sure we've forgiven everybody else we can possibly think of. Forgive others as much as forgive, forgive the things that they've done against us. Request um, deliverance from things and do not lead us lead into temptation. Request deliverance from evil and finally end with worship. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks everybody.